I would like to welcome you to this webcast where we're going to talk about the power of a brand new life. Now I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 3 and we just, uh, Colossians chapter 2 and we're going to go into chapter 3 and we're going to talk about the power of the life of Jesus Christ and how God gets it right to establish a brand new life in you. What it means to be led by the Spirit. What it means to um, to basically uh, chastise or beat the flesh, beat your body. Uh, you know, like Paul says, he beats his body, makes it his slave. Talking about those kind of things. And this promises to be uh, great and that you will be impacted. Right, let me read from verse 13. It says, And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you, all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So what he does is he comes and he writes to the Gentiles and he says to them that they basically, <coughs> that he came and that he took out the handwriting of ordinances which was against them. Now, ordinances there means laws. Now, what was the handwriting of laws that was against them. It was basically talking about the law which um, discredited the Gentiles and said that the Gentiles are not the people of God. He took that system, the whole old law system, and nailed it to the cross. Jesus went so far as when he was upon the earth, he said to those who followed those system that you've never seen God, you've never heard God. Uh, he went so far as to say that that system is, and that if your life is born from that system, wherein it brings forth death, he says that uh, you are of your father the devil. That's how far he went. And then he went in chapter 17 in John, and Jesus basically said that, but I will declare the father to these blind people, and I will show them. He was not saying that they will not be saved or anything. He was just declaring the blindness of the old system, and that there was no life in it. And he goes on and he says here that this handwriting of ordinances doesn't say handwriting of um, transgressions. It is a handwriting of ordinances uh, that was against us. In other words, there is a handwriting of ordinances that was against Gentiles, and not just Gentiles, against everybody. But in this case, also talking about the Gentiles, wherein there was an authority system which was placed there through the law where we found these powers of uh, Judaism, you know, this, this, these rulers, you know, of Judaism. And when we look at that powers and rulers of, of Judaism and the law, we, we can read it in John 1. And let me just go to John 1 quickly and, and see what it says there. It says, uh, it says in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made, uh, excuse me, and all things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That man there already is, is pointing out towards Jew and Gentile now. He says, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended or understood it or didn't want to receive it. So he talks about the darkness here as the Jews. He talks about the darkness as those who rejected Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Um, so 
uh, it, it talks about this. So, so if the Jews were darkness and they were walking in darkness, there were rulers in this kingdom of darkness as well. And I do believe that behind everything, behind the whole law system, wherein, or the system wherein you don't need God, but where you can find life by your own works, Satan is behind all of that. Now what he comes and he says here, that Christ blotted out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us or contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show openly of them, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat and drink in the respect of a holy day, a new moon, or Sabbath days. So what he's talking about here, when he talks about, this is what I believe, and uh, we can have different views about this, but this is my belief about this. When he talks about uh, powers and principalities here, he's not talking about demons and devils. Um, I do believe that he's talking about the power of sin and death. He talks about, I believe that's included there, but he actually made a spectacle of the the rulers of the Jews that had him crucified, you know, when he basically in his death ended the whole law system. So what they did was they thought they're going to take Jesus, nail him to the cross and end the whole thing right there. But in the fact that he went and died there and what we know happened after his death in the resurrection, he made a spectacle of all of them. He showed them how foolish they are. He showed them how they don't even understand the very scriptures they were reading. Um, that is what it says here. It says, and having spoiled principalities and powers. So he comes here and he's talking about the ending of the law. And when he talks about the ending of the law, he directly connects it in the next verse with spoiling powers and principalities. So there were powers, principalities, rulers of darkness and all that, that was completely destroyed. How? By Jesus being nailed to the cross. And what is the true context here? The true context here is um, circumcision. And that circumcision is not needed anymore. The true context here, as we would read on, you would find it is um, all about Judaism, laws, regulations, following off the customs, and all those kind of things. So the powers and the principalities uh, that he's talking about here is Jesus making a spectacle of the Jewish system and the Jews of that day that thought they're going to destroy his ministry by crucifying him and putting him in a tomb and coming with all their laws and regulations and their conspiracy they, they were running with the, um, with the uh, uh, Romans. So he comes and he basically says, he, he mocks them. He mocks them. He comes and he, the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers. Spoiled, he complete, completely ended it, he messed it all up. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So how did Jesus triumph? He triumphed over these powers and principalities. How? By ending the law. By taking that which was, um, which the Jews of that time and the Romans, both of them came together, they wanted to kill Jesus, but Jesus triumphed over them in doing what? In ending the law system. That is, that is 
what he did there. And then he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So when it talks about judgment here, it talks about somebody that's in authority, that is in power, that judges somebody else by a system which was in place, which was a law system. So what he's saying to the people of Colossa here is that don't be Judaized. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to touch not, handle not, taste not. Because that is being in the flesh, that is being in the law system, and that authoritative system of the law which spoke about the Jews as the people of God and then the Gentiles as cast out or sinners, that has been ended. And now he says, don't be Judaized again because those powers and principalities, the authority that those people had to do that has been ended. Why? Because Jesus took that which was against man, against the Gentiles as well, which excluded them, but was against man in the sense that the law brings forth the power of sin. He, he, he ended that whole thing. So he says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. You must realize the context here doesn't talk about demons. It doesn't talk about angels. It talks about a law-based system that was active in the earth that was trying, that people tried to implement and enforce on believing Gentiles. This is the context here. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to a holy day or of a new moon, or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body, or the substance, or what all these things are about, are of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshipping of angels, introducing, uh, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So what's the context here? The context is Judaism. The context is there are people that are puffed up through their fleshly mind. And what that means is uh, they are puffed up. They feel we are better than others because we are Jews and we are coming to bring forth the law to, to you. We, we, we want you to obey the law. That's what they're saying. And now what he's, what he's saying is this and this handwriting of ordinances and all the authority that people had that tried to push that down on people has been removed. So therefore, don't, don't listen to these people that are vainly in emptiness, puffed up in their fleshly mind. Fleshly mind in the context here talks about a mind that's mindful of who's a Jew and who's a Gentile. That is what it's talking about. And they are not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bindings having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. What verse 19 says there, he says, listen man, these guys are trying to bring laws, rules and regulations and they don't have the authority to do that anymore for their authority was taken away in the death of Jesus. Those powers and principalities um, has been done away with. Um, those basic principles, those rudiments are done away with. And now they come, they puffed up, and they think that uh, you can believe in Jesus, but that holiness comes through obedience to rules and regulations. 
And what he's actually getting at here is something we struggle, we struggle even to understand in the church today. What he's saying is, he says, they don't hold to the head Christ. So the moment you believe in Jesus and you want to add anything to it, you're not holding to the head Christ. For you are not believing that from the head flows the nourishment that will feed the body and increase the body with the increase of God. Now what he's saying here is simply this. If you hold to the head Christ, you will need no other law or regulation to add holiness, righteousness, peace, manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, or any of those things to you. Neither will you, neither will you need anything to, to end the power of sin in your flesh. What he's saying here is that these people are not holding to the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased with the increase of God. So they are not thinking, these people are not thinking that by simply believing in what Christ has accomplished and what, um, and, and by what Christ accomplished that it can have a, an lasting effect in the here and now. They don't believe that. And because they don't believe that, they are now still seeking rules and regulations. And what is actually taking place is these people has not yet come to Christ. That, that is what's, what's happened. They have not come to Christ. Because the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 4, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them. Uh, um, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Let me read that and let me explain to you what it says. Romans 10. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So what it means is, if you really believe that Christ brings that Christ will give you eternal life and that you and that He can bring it forth in you, you will seek no more righteousness in any other system. The context here is Jews and Gen, uh, Jews again and having their own righteousness by the law. He says, if they have really come to Christ, they will not seek any regulation or law. And that's what I'm trying to say here in Colossians. Um, there are people that think, and you know, when, when, when you are still in need of some principle, like sowing and reaping, or some kind of a principle whereby you're working the kingdom, you have not yet come to the righteousness of God in Christ. Because you... If you've come to the righteousness of God in Christ, it is the end of the law for righteousness. You will not seek any other law. You might say, oh, but I, you know, Bertie, I'm not seeking the law for righteousness. I know I'm righteous in Christ. These are just principles the Lord has given. That is just confusion you're busy with there. And I don't want to be rude, but that is just simple, simply confusion, not understanding terminology, not understanding what Christ has given us, uh, which I don't have time to get into today. Verse 20, um, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the, from the rudiments of this world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? So what he's saying here, he says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of so when Christ died, and he's talking about now, he says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was 
against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show openly, triumphing over them in it. So now connect that verse here. He says, um, which all, um, wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments or the basic principles of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? So what he's saying is, the moment you are following rules and regulations and those kind of things, extra principles which you add to Christianity, um, I won't tell you, he, he says you are worldly. You are worldly because the world system is one of a handwriting of ordinances. That's what the world is. That is worldliness. Like, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are to perish with the using of the commandments of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglect of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So what he's saying here is he says, listen guys, you are still the place where um, there are people, and he basically says to the people in Colossae, he says, why you started with Christ? Um, Christ blotted out the handwriting of ordinances which was contrary to you, which said you're not the people of God. He came and he blotted it out, and he spoiled the power and the authority that these people had over you to say that this is the only way unto salvation. He spoiled it. He made an end of that. Because when he died as a sinner, he died under the hands of Jews and Gentiles, and he was carrying the sin of all people. He died, he ended that system, and he rose again as a man who previously carried all the sin of all people, be it Jew or Gentile. So Jesus spoiled this. He, he messed it completely up. Uh, for the Judaism system. So there is no authority anymore that anybody has to tell you, follow any law whereby you can be saved. That authority, that power was taken out of the way. It is not there anymore. The only way wherein we can have uh, eternal life, the Bible says in verse 19, is to hold to the head, and the head will nourish every person with the increase of God. Meaning, as we are not seeking life by the law, and as we simply believe and rely upon Jesus, He will bring forth eternal life in us, and He will nourish me every day with all the fruit of the Spirit that I need for that day, and all the provision I need for the day, as I'm only holding to the head from where all nourishment flows. And then he goes on and he says, you know, this, these, these principles, these worldly principles, like, um, you know, we would have a principle, if you worship enough, then the presence is going to come down. We've got a prince of certain principles on how to build a church. We've got certain principles on how to increase our finances. We've, you know, these, all these principle teachings and those kind of things and laws and, and, and whatever. He says, he says, these things indeed have a show of wisdom in world worship. What that means is, it looks very wise in the system wherein you apply willpower to manifest it. Read it again. Which things indeed, 
which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and in humility and in neglect of the body. So what it says, it looks like this. It says, you know, these, they are, they are, they are these people, they look at these laws and willfully they go and they, um, they beat their body. They, they, they are humble. When, when the scripture says, don't do this, then they don't do it and they keep to that law. Like, for instance, on the Sabbath. You're not going to work on the Sabbath, um, you know, and, and you keep to it because the Sabbath day is the day of rest. And you don't do it on a Sunday, you do it on a Saturday. It might look very wise. It might look very humble. It might, might look very um, noble, pious to do that. It looks good. You know, it says here, it indeed has got a show of wisdom. Man, it looks so wise. This guy knows this scripture. He knows the history of, he knows the history of the Torah. He knows all those things. He knows the every scripture on sowing and reaping there is, and all the principles. It's got a show of wisdom in will worship and humility, because I humble myself. I, I I'm willing to do what that principle says, and in neglect of the body. In other words, I am neglecting the body meaning I'm not allowing sin. I am not allowing this bad fruit. That's what it says. And it says here, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. In other words, the flesh is seeking for eternal life, but all those principles cannot satisfy the flesh with what it seeks. <laughs> it cannot. So what he's saying to them is he says, listen, man, all these authorities and powers and principles and all those things has been done away with. Um, you don't need that anymore. And you are now thinking that you started in Christ and now you're going to add holiness and you're going to add all these things and you're going to bring that the flesh is seeking and desiring immortality. The flesh is seeking and desiring holiness. And you now thinking that you're going to believe in Jesus and now you're going to be... Um, you're going to, be, you're going to add, add these principles and by that have life. It says here, let no man judge you in all these things. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility. So what he's saying is, as we go back to this law-based system, what we are doing is we are being beguiled out of our reward. Now, what does that mean? Let's get back to money, for instance. It's a very good, easy thing to use. Um, and you can apply that to all kinds of principles. We had a system that said, if you sow, you're going to reap. Now, uh, the what we wanted is we wanted financial prosperity, or we wanted actually not so much prosperity, but we wanted to be at a place where we can have peace in our life financially. That's what we wanted. And now, um, and that's what man seeks. Now, we've got the principle of sowing and reaping. So now we're going to sow and reap. Now, the Bible says here, the moment you start to do that, you are beguiled of your reward in a voluntary humility. So, voluntary, you will humble yourself, sow that money, name the seed, do whatever you need to do, voluntary. But in doing that, you are beguiled of the reward the reward that there is in Christ. The reward that there is in Christ is to have contentment 
through generosity and peace in your heart. But this system, as we're going to read on, does not have the power to bring forth true humility in the heart. It doesn't have, to, it doesn't have the power to bring forth true generosity, true kindness, the fruit of the Spirit that leads unto eternal life. It doesn't have the power to do that. It says here, if you then, now he comes and he gives people advice on how to, how to uh, have a victorious life. He comes and he says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, when we are on the earth and we look at the earthly things we need to do, ask yourself this question. If you want to know if you need to do something to be blessed. Is Jesus doing it today towards the Father in heaven in order for the Father to bless him? That's the question. And if Jesus is not doing that, you don't have to do it. You ask yourself the question, who is Christ? What has he attained? What do I see in him? That which you see in Christ at the right hand of the Father is the full declaration of who you are. And God will manifest and reveal that in your body by His doing. Just trust Him and rest in it. Right. Verse 2. It says, set your affection, or it, it actually means there, be nostalgic about this. Set your affection on the things above, not the things of the earth. So what is the things of the earth? The things of the earth are these things. Touch not, taste not, handle not. The rudiments of this earth, living in the world, touch not, taste not, handle not. Those are the things of the earth. And the things of the earth brings forth the fruit of the flesh, which, which are murder, adultery, fornication, outburst of wrath, all those kind of things. Okay, right. Verse 2, set your affection on the things above, not the things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, talking about the return of Christ, when he appears, listen to what will take place, then shall you also appear. So what that means is, who you are is not showing. <laughs> it doesn't make you less, it doesn't make, you know, if something doesn't manifest, doesn't mean you are not that. The fact that Christ is not manifesting in the earth, in his physical body right now, in the earth today, doesn't mean he doesn't have a physical body. It doesn't mean that he, that he doesn't exist in a physical form. It is just not manifested. It is not revealed. Now it says, set your affection, set your desire, set your passions, be nostalgic about the fact that there is a man in the Trinity at the right hand of the Father. That is what that passage says. And then it says, um, this Christ who is your life. So don't have a life of the world which says Jew, Gentile, rudiments of the world, and all those kind of things. Don't say that. Don't go there. You know, um, it is not for you. For when Christ died, he spoiled that power and principality and authority. 
He spoiled that system, that handwriting of ordinances which are against us. It's against every man. Okay, he spoiled it. He says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Then it goes on. It says, mortify, mortify. What mortify means, it means to see as mortal. Mortal means not having eternal life. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, how do I mortify the deeds of the flesh? This is the thing. When I look at something in my life, if I look at Christ, and I see Christ has got eternal life, and his life is flooded with sinlessness, meaning full of love, full of kindness, full of goodness, full of mercy, full of peace, full of joy, full of love. And that is eternal fruit. That is it. Then when I look at my body and I say, this body shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Who I really am shall be revealed. What does that mean? That means what I am now, and maybe the things I see in my life now, is temporal and not eternal. The moment that takes place, your mind starts to say, you know, my anger problem is temporal. My anger problem is temporal. My lust problem is temporal. Everything is temporal. And the moment your mind goes into it is temporal, and, it, and you are looking at Christ as your only life, what you'll start to see is what the Bible calls the first fruit of the Spirit, and that is how you will mortify or actually kill the fruit of the flesh in your life. Now, listen to this. It says, You mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and evil concupiscence. So he says here that evil concupiscence, and it's an important word, we're going to look at it now, Evil concupiscence manifests in your life, you know, manifests in our lives, and that it can be mortified or ended. How will it be ended? It says, mortify therefore your members. Whenever you see a therefore, ask yourself why it's therefore. It says, mortify therefore on account of the fact that you have died in Christ, that, you, that the law system has passed away, that you don't have to be under a system that cannot satisfy the flesh, wherein you live under laws, rules, and regulations. Like I said to somebody, you know, you can have anger management pro uh, programs today, and in an anger management program, it is great, you know, people are not that angry anymore, they live uh, they live a bit of a better life, but it's still anger management. You still have the anger. It is just managed through willpower and certain things that's given us, like depression management programs. You still have depression. Uh, you are still depressed. You are just managing it. Anger, you still manage, like lust management programs, abuse or, or, or a, a drug abuse, or addiction management. You're still addicted. You're just trying to manage it. We are not into that. It says you mortify that. 
You can mortify that. And what the Lord teaches us is beautiful principles on how to manage our anger. But what Christ has promised, he says, he says that that life of anger, that life of bitterness is not eternal. It shall die. And I bring forth a new life to you. See your life as hidden with God in Christ, hidden in God in Christ. That is your life. And as you, you can even in this day mortify your members which are on the earth. So on the earth today, we can mortify fornication, uncleanness in order. How? On account of looking at Christ as your only life and just believing that. What he's saying, he says, listen. When Christ returns, the fullness of you shall manifest. But you can see certain members of, on this earth, certain things on this earth actually ending by having the revelation that you, you are not under touch not, handle not, do not. So I'm not saying um, touch not, handle not, do not. I should not touch this. I should not do that. Whatever you want to call it. I, I, I'm not saying that. I am looking at a brand new life. And I say, that life is my life. That's, that's all you do. And in the simplicity of looking at the head, Christ, we find nourishment for our intellect, for our thoughts, for our emotions, born from Christ. And I want to end off, and um, this message is shorter today. This is obviously a pre-recording. You guys know by this time I'm already in Canada um, ministering at the Grace Camp. I think by the time you watch this, everything would have been over. Um, and this is a pre-recording, so I'm flying in, in some hours from now. So we're just doing this recording uh, before, before my flight. But let me just quickly go to you. So I apologize that the message is not long today. Uh, it's nice to have a long message where your mind can just be washed and washed and washed in the goodness, washed in the goodness of God. Romans 7, <clears throat> Paul comes and he's talking about uh, I just want to find the right verse here. I don't know. I didn't plan to read this. But Paul says, I think it's in verse 9. It says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained unto life I found unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and slew me. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Was, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin taking sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual but I am carnal sold under sin. For that which, which I allow not, that I do. And then he goes on and he explains. I just um, cannot find that word now. But what he says is, he says, when the, the commandment said to him that he should not desire. Here it is in verse, verse 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said you shall not covet. But sin, O take. Um, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. So what is Paul saying here? He says, sin by the commandment 
wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. So it comes here in Colossians 3 again. And then it says, mortify or kill or see as dead your members upon the earth, which is one of them called evil concupiscence. How did concupiscence manifest in the life of Paul? By trying to observe the 10th commandment, which says, you shall not covet. He says, but sin taking occasion. So he says, sin feeds on the system wherein we try to have life by our works. Okay, and what happens? It brought forth all manner of concupiscence, which includes evil concupiscence. And here he says, mortify your members, which is evil concupiscence. How will we mortify them? How will we end that? By not seeking life by Judaism or the law or the Ten Commandments. We need to realize, in the Old Testament, you cannot find one place in the Old Testament where it says moral law and ceremonial law. It just says law, and it includes what we would today would say ceremonial and moral law. It's not such a thing as moral law and ceremonial law. It's all the law. And by trying to observe the commandment that says, you shall not covet, Paul says, it made the members alive. It made concupiscence alive. How shall we kill that? How shall we... Our reward is to have a concupiscence, or another word for concupiscence is evil lust including bad sexual lust that's what it means go and read it all manner of evil lust so paul comes and he says here we have got a reward the reward in the resurrection of christ the reward of his death the reward of the end of the law is that we can be seen as the people of god and that god will nourish us with a life that's free from from concupiscence and all these sins which is idolatry he says he says, that is our reward. And in part of that reward is we shall be revealed as the sons of God, equal to God in the return of Christ. Not as, now when I say equal to God, I'm talking about a likeness and an image. We will never be equal with God in the sense of we are the rulers or we are God. That is impossible. But God made people just like him in living his life in there. And that is what the Bible says, when Jesus comes, he shall be revealed. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. What shall reveal the holiness that's inside me? The power of the Holy Spirit. How? By looking at a man at the right hand of God and saying, that man is me. That man is his life, is my life. That is what this is all about. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, church, I trust that this has really touched you. I think the, the revelation about the powers and principalities might just be shocking to some folk. But I wanted to just, I don't want you to be, um, I don't want you to, to be beguiled out of your reward by laws and rules and regulations. Be nostalgic about the fact that there's a man at the right hand of God. Glory to God. I would like to pray for you. If you're watching right now, I would like to pray for you. Maybe you've got sickness in your body. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. I would like to pray for you. And I also want to pray for those that has never received Jesus as their Savior. I'm also going to pray for you. Right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hands towards everybody that's watching. And I thank you that your spirit is within them. I declare sick people healed. I declare financial problems uh, uh, resolved. 
by your wisdom. I thank you, Lord, that the members of struggle and uh, um, fear and anxiety um, and all those kind of things are mortified by looking at a man at the right hand of the Father. And I see who everybody is that is listening to this. I see them as holy, perfected, pure, and who they are shall be revealed. And thank you that we can, by that, mortify our members that are on the earth today. We don't even need the return of Christ to see these members mortified or killed or destroyed or seen as temporal. And thank you, Father, that I can say to every person that's watching now that's got sickness in their body, I can say it's temporal. To those who've got anger problems, I want to tell you it's temporal. It is going to end. If it doesn't end today, it will end tomorrow, but it is ending. It doesn't have eternal life. But what has eternal life is the love of God in your heart. What has eternal life is the peace of God in your heart. What, ha what is eternal is the joy that's in the depth of your being. What is eternal is the generosity that is in your heart. That's eternal attributes of God that is inside you. It's your life. Glory to God. And I declare you as free. Amen. If you are watching, you want to, you, you say, Beth, yeah, I've never received Jesus. I would like to receive Jesus. Just pray this prayer with me. Say the following words from the depth of your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus Christ, you've taken away all my sin. You've included me into the Godhead. You died away that which destroyed me. You've accepted me before I've accepted you. I come today and I acknowledge what you have done. I accept your acceptance. I accept your love, you've convinced my heart. Jesus, you are my Lord. Amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer or if you've received prayer and you want to testify or um, you want to know more about the gospel of good news, please feel free to go to BertieBrits.com or DynamicMinistries.com and just click on Web Church and contact one of our internet pastors and they will